Hello and welcome and thank you very much to those of you who sent to me some requests for subjects that I might cover in these talks. And one of those requests was for us to look at from time to time the minor prophets. And the prophet I want to look at today is Habakkuk, who you will find towards the end of your Old Testament. He's the fifth book from the end of the Old Testament. The best thing is to look up the number in your contents page because these books are quite short. What then do we know about Habakkuk? Well, we know his name, but we don't know what it means. The best guess is it means embrace or embracer, although I don't know whether you will find his teaching very cuddly. In the first verse, he says, I'm a prophet. I am Habakkuk the prophet. And this is the message that the Lord gave me. In the Old Testament, a prophet was a spokesperson for God. And Habakkuk is the only prophet who calls himself a prophet in the first verse of his book. But he's not mentioned elsewhere, neither in the Old Testament nor the New. So when then did he live? Well, we can't be sure. We have to work it out from what he says and try to identify the context of what he says in the context of the history of the Jews. Probably Habakkuk was ministering during the reigns of the last four kings of Judah before the exile to Babylon. King Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. Of all four kings, the Old Testament says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And doing evil in the eyes of the Lord is Old Testament code for idolatry. These four kings led the people of Judah towards Baal worship. They worshipped the mouldings of bulls. They had prostitutes, male and female, at the shrines. They shed innocent blood. They offered child sacrifices to these gods. They worshipped the Queen of Heaven. Violence was on the streets. There was no justice in the courts. There was total disregard for the covenant. The Sabbath laws, the food laws, the Ten Commandments, all being neglected or defied. And the Lord was about to judge Judah. The Lord was about to punish Judah by invasion, defeat in battle, the destruction of their precious temple, the sacking of Jerusalem and 70 years of exile in Babylon. Now, we think that Habakkuk lived just prior to these disasters coming upon the people of Judah. The time of Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Nahum and Obadiah. Probably these five prophets were all ministering at roughly the same time. If you want a date, approximately the year 600 BC. Habakkuk looks all around him and he sees disobedience and sinfulness and the defiance of God and contempt for the law. And he's profoundly troubled. He's anxious and he's confused. The world, his world is in a mess. What on earth is going on? It is an unusual book because most prophets prophesy to the people, whereas in this book it consists of a conversation between the prophet and God. Habakkuk is talking to God and God comes in with his replies. And I'm going to read verses one to four of the first chapter in which Habakkuk complains to God, reading from the contemporary English version. I am Habakkuk the prophet, and this is the message that the Lord gave me. 
Our Lord, how long must I beg for your help before you listen? How long before you save us from all this violence? Why do you make me watch such terrible injustice? Why do you allow violence, lawlessness, crime and cruelty to spread everywhere? Laws cannot be enforced. Justice is always the loser. Criminals crowd out honest people and twist the laws around. He moans to God because of the social condition of his country. There's violence and injustice and wrongdoing and crime and vandalism and strife and conflict. The courts are paralyzed. The judges are corrupt. The bad is a winning. Judah is going from bad to worse. Judah is going to hell in a handcart, we might say. And what is God doing about it? Absolutely nothing. Lord, for goodness sake, do something. Why won't you listen to me? He says. Now look at the next section, verses 5 to 11. Verses 5 to 11 are the Lord's response. This is what the Lord says in answer to Habakkuk's complaint. He says, God is going to do something about it. And when God does, Habakkuk won't believe his eyes. God is going to send the Chaldeans. Your Bible might say the Babylonians. It might say the Chaldeans. It's the same group of people. God is going to send them to punish Judah. Now, the Babylonians were ruthless. They were going to steal property. Their cavalry would sweep down with the speed of a leopard. They would be intent on violence. They would try treat prisoners of war like a handful of sand. They would have no respect for local politicians. They would capture Judah's fortified cities easily. Let me read verses 5 to 11. This is God speaking. Look and be amazed at what's happening among the nations. Even if you were told you would never believe what's taking place now. I am sending the Babylonians. They are fierce and cruel, marching across the land conquering cities and towns. How fearsome and frightening. Their only laws and rules are the ones they make up. Their cavalry troops are faster than leopards, more ferocious than wolves hunting at sunset, and swifter than hungry eagles suddenly swooping down. They are eager to destroy, and they gather cut captives like handfuls of sand. They make fun of rulers and laugh at fortresses, while building dirt mounds so they can capture cities. Then suddenly they disappear like a gust of wind, those sinful people who worship their own strength. God is going to do something, but Habakkuk is not going to like it because God is going to do it through the Babylonians. So in the next section, chapter 1, verse 12, to the first verse of chapter 2, Habakkuk complains again he says to God don't be ridiculous you can't possibly do that you're the everlasting God you hate sin you've always hated sin in every form you can't possibly use the Babylonians they're more sinful than we are how can you use a more sinful people to punish a less sinful people the Babylonians they're treacherous they're wicked they'll treat us like fishermen treat their fish they'll put hooks in their, our noses and and take us off to Babylon, we'll be destroyed without mercy. And then they'll rejoice in their idols and offer sacrifices to their gods. Let me read to you Habakkuk's complaint, verse 12 to 17. Holy Lord God, mighty rock, you are eternal and we are safe from death. 
You are using Babylonians to judge and punish others. But you can't stand sin or wrong. So don't sit by in silence while they gobble down people who are better than they are. The people you put on this earth are like fish or reptiles without a leader. Then an enemy comes along and takes them captive with hooks and nets. It makes him so happy that he offers sacrifices to his fishing nets because they make him rich and provide choice foods. Will he keep hauling in his nets and destroying nations without showing mercy? While standing guard on the watchtower, I waited for the Lord's answer before explaining the reason for my complaint. Habakkuk complains again to the Lord that the Lord can't possibly punish Judah by people who are worse than Judah's Babylonians. And in chapter 2, verse 1, amusingly, in the authorised version translation, it says, I will stand upon my watch. What he means is, I'm going to go to the battlements of Jerusalem and I'm going to look out for God's answer. I'm going to look out for the invaders. He's puzzled. He's confused. He's angry. He's complaining. If he'd known the hymn, he would have said to himself, God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. Although Judah deserves punishment for breaking God's covenant, surely not by the Babylonians. That's so unfair. It's so unjust. They even worship idols. I'm going to go to the battlements and have a look and see if they really come. And then God replies in chapter two, the rest of the chapter. He says, write down what you're going to see from those battlements so that someone can run with the message back into the city and tell the king. But you'll have to wait. It's all going to happen, but it's going to happen in God's good time, not in your time. Verses two to three. Then the Lord told me, I will give you my message in the form of a vision. Write it clearly enough to be read at a glance. At the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. Now, if we've got the dating right, then Judah did fall to the Babylonians in about 14 years time. And Babylonian, Babylon itself fell to the Persians about 66 years later. God says the Babylonians are proud, they're drunkards, they're greedy, they're murderers. Look at verse 5. I, the Lord, verse 4, I, the Lord, refuse to accept anyone who is proud. Only those who live by faith are acceptable to me. The wine is treacherous and arrogant people are never satisfied. They are no less greedy than death itself. They open their mouths as wide as the world of the dead and swallow everyone. These violent, drunken Babylonians are going to gobble up the nation of Judah. Now have a look at verse 6, verse 9, verse 12, verse 15 and verse 19. What word do you see in each of those verses? 6, 9, 12, 15 and 19. Depending upon your translation, you will see the word woe or the words you are doomed. And God is speaking here about Babylon. You are doomed. God may sovereignly use Babylon to punish Judah, but God will also sovereignly punish, punish Babylon too. Verse six for stealing. Verse eight for shedding innocent blood. Verse nine 
Babylon thinks it's safe, like an eagle who builds its nest on high and out of reach of trouble. He thinks he's above the law and God can never catch up with him, but God will catch up with Babylon. In verse 10, for ruining people. Verse 12, for bloodshed and crime and injustice. Verse 15, for getting people drunk for their own sexual pleasure. Verse 17, for animal cruelty, for destroying lands and cities. Verse 18, for worshipping idols. Verse 19, for making idols. Let me read to you from verse 5. Wine is treacherous and arrogant people are never satisfied. They are no less greedy than death itself. They open their mouths as wide as the world of the dead and swallow everyone. But they will be mocked with these words. You're doomed. You stored up stolen goods and cheated others of what belonged to them. But without warning, those you owe will demand payment. Then you will become a frightened victim. You robbed cities and nations everywhere on earth and murdered their people. Now those who survived will be as cruel to you. You're doomed. You made your family rich at the expense of others. You even said to yourself, I'm above the law. But you will bring shame on your family and ruin to yourself for what you did to others. The very stones and wood in your home will testify against you. You're doomed. You built a city on crime and violence. But the Lord all-powerful sends up in flames what nations and people work so hard to gain. Just as water fills the sea, the land will be filled with people who know and honour the Lord. You're doomed. You get your friends drunk just to see them naked. Now you'll be disgraced instead of praised. The Lord will make you drunk. And when others see you naked, you will lose their respect. You destroyed trees and animals on Mount Lebanon. You were ruthless to towns and people everywhere. Now you will be terrorised. What is an idol worth? It's merely a false god. Why trust a speechless image made from wood or metal by human hands? What can you learn from idols covered with silver or gold? They can't even breathe. Pity anyone who says to an idol of wood or stone, get up and do something. Let all the world be silent. The Lord is present in his holy temple. Babylon is going to get what it has dished out to others. Verse 16. Now you will be disgraced instead of praised. The Lord will make you drunk. And when others see you naked, you will lose their respect. And about 66 years later, Babylon did indeed fall to the Persians. And so in verse 20, Habakkuk says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before moaning before him in other words god is saying to habakkuk stop moaning stop complaining stop arguing recognize god's sovereignty worship him yes he will punish judah for its sins but thereafter god will punish babylon for its sins too now then supposing habakkuk chapter one and two were your reading for the day how could you get a blessing out of these rather obscure words? Let's ask Pat for some help. Remember last time? Look for a promise, action, teaching. P for promise. Is there a promise to rely on in these two chapters? Yes, there is. God deals with sinful nations. You see this in the Bible. Egypt the Canaanites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, then later the Greeks, the Romans, 
the Holy Rem Roman Empire. Who's ever heard of that in, in, in these days? In my lifetime, the great British Empire has diminished. The Soviet Union has gone. Maybe we are witnessing the collapse of the United States of America and its preeminence. Maybe in our day or in the day of our children and grandchildren, China will emerge as the greatest power on earth. God deals with sinful nations. And then in verse 14 of chapter 2, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Both now and in the future, God's glory will be seen. There isn't a continent in this world where Jesus Christ is not worshipped and glorified. There are few countries left in this world where there isn't somebody who worships and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. And then one day upon his return, every person who lives and has ever lived will acknowledge the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then again, we're told in chapter two, verse three, that you can't rush the promises of God. You have to wait. It will take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. God fulfills his promises, but he fulfills his promises in his time and not in our time. I remember my dear father-in-law who believed very, very firmly in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. And in 1948, when the Jews went back into Israel and returned to their homeland, if you had told him that by 2020, the Lord had not returned, he would have said, that's impossible. The Lord's going to come back at any moment. He could come back all oh, within our lifetimes. He's long gone. God fulfills his promises in his own time, not in ours. Promises to rely on. Is there any action to take? Yes, but mostly the actions here are negative. Avoid violence. Don't get drunk. Don't be greedy. Don't be arrogant. Don't steal. Don't take sexual advantage of those who are weaker than you. Never wantonly destroy animal life. Don't worship idols. And then there's there some teaching for us in these chapters. Yes, there is. We learn from these chapters that God will not tolerate sin and wrongdoing forever. God does tolerate such, but God in his own time deals with those who defy him. We also learn from this, these chapters that God will keep all his promises, but he will do it in his own time. And we also learn that God will one day fill the earth with his glory, the glory of Jesus and that every person will worship God. But have you noticed there's an elephant in the room with one large matter in these chapters, which I've missed? The most famous verse of all in Habakkuk is in chapter two and verse four. And depending on your translation, it says the just will live by faith or the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Or the righteous man trusts in me and lives. Only those who live by faith are acceptable to me. This is the most famous verse in this book. Habakkuk is saying judgment is coming on Judah and it's going to be nasty. It will not be pretty. The Babylonians are going to destroy Judah. They're going to take the people away 
into exile, some with fishing hooks through their lips and noses. Uh, the nation is going to be destroyed without mercy. And it won't happen immediately, though it lingers. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. But when it comes, keep the faith. Trust the Lord to please God. Remain righteous and trust in him. And that's a message for today, isn't it? During COVID and all the ravages that that is causing. And as we see democracy under attack, uh, particularly in the United States at this time, as we see uh, uh, an emerging Russia uh, and China becoming increasingly dominant, how are we to react? We are to react with faith. The righteous person will live by his faith. The righteous man trusts in God and lives. Only those who live by faith are acceptable to me, says God. And Paul quotes this verse two or three times in Romans, Galatians and Ephesians and the writer to the Hebrews as well in chapter 10 of that book. And they cast a new light upon this verse in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Clearly, no one is justified by God, by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. Directly quoting here from Habakkuk. There was a meaning for this verse in Habakkuk's day. But Paul says the cross of Christ has invested this verse with huge meaning. He has, Christ has filled this verse with an enormous quantity of fresh thought. The person who trusts in Jesus is made right with God. The person who has faith in Christ is made righteous in the eyes of God. Do you remember the story I told about Captain Mannering when Corporal Jones had lost, was it 50 pounds? And Captain Mannering, who was the bank manager, could have credited Jones's account with 50 pounds and Jones would have been back to normal. But Mannering could have credited Jones's account with a hundred pounds. That would have been an act of grace. Jones would have been receiving something he did not deserve. And God credits us with the righteousness of Jesus when we trust in him. The righteous shall live by faith. By faith, the righteous will live. As we put our trust in Jesus, we receive eternal life because God has justified us by grace, through faith, in the cross of Christ. Thanks be to God. Let me share with you the words of this hymn. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. March we forth in the strength of God with the banner of Christ unfurled, that the light of the glorious gospel of truth may shine throughout the world. Fight we the fight with sorrow and sin to set their captives free, that the earth may be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. All we can do is nothing worth unless God blesses the deed. Vainly we hope for the harvest tide till God gives life to the seed. Yet nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be 
when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for Habakkuk. Amen.